Chapter Eighteen: Two Souls on Different Journeys. Once outside, Caitlin and Rose stood in silence and disbelief. The warm winter night was now hot, over one hundred degrees, and the sky was bright with what looked like fire. The sound surrounding them was that of a tornado of fire filling their ears with a loud, streaming freight train-like sound effect. They placed their hands over their ears to block out the sound. They watched as Jack held Rick three feet off the ground by his neck. Suddenly, a black chariot came out of the sky, blended in with the firestorm. Four black horses with large black wings pulled the chariot through the sky and landed in front of the house. The chariot was driverless, but the horses knew what to do. They were larger than Clydesdales, snorted dark gray smoke, and made a horrific noise as they stomped their large hoofs onto the street. In horror, the girls watched as Jack threw their father into the black chariot. And then Jack walked back to the girls. I'm sorry, girls, but your father murdered Lindsay. There is no tolerance for a child of God to commit such an act, but especially one that has been given so many chances to follow God or follow Satan. He will now spend eternity with the one he has chosen to follow. He is on his way to hell," said Jack. Caitlin was crying uncontrollably, but shouted out. Daddy, we love you. We miss you. We know you didn't mean to do it. Ask God to forgive you. Rick replied, "You be good, my little bitches. Mind your mother, the queen bitch. And I did mean it. I just missed your mom and hit Victor's little whore." Caitlin couldn't believe her ears. Her father was calling her and Rose bitches and saying he wanted to kill their mom. Daddy. You can't kill someone who's already dead. Why would you ever think that? Caitlin asked. Rick shouted over the firestorm noise. I figured after I killed her once, I could kill her again. You killed mommy? Asked Rose. Yes, honeydew. I drove that car into the other car on purpose. I didn't care about myself. I just wanted her dead. Lucky you girls weren't in the car. You would have died too. Before another word could be said, the horses reared up on their hind legs and swiftly turned and flew into the sky, pulling the black chariot and their father with it. In less than a second, they were gone. The sky turned back to darkness. The weather cooled down, and the night was once again silent. Come on, girls, time to go back in," said Jack as he placed his hands on their shoulders. Jack and the girls entered the house, and Jack closed the door behind them. As they walked from the foyer into the living room, not a word was spoken. Every guest, including the grandparents, hung their heads and did not make eye contact with the girls. Both girls were still sobbing and in awe of what had just transpired. It was like something out of a horror movie. As they entered the kitchen, they saw Victor, Karen, Doris, and Susan seated on the floor around Lindsay's body, now covered with a sheet. "Is Lindsay dead?" asked Rose. "Yes, she died a few minutes ago. Do you want to say goodbye to her?" asked Karen. "Say goodbye. Where's she going? Won't the AMTs come to take her to the coroner? 
Won't there be a wake for her and a funeral service? Asked Caitlin. No, Caitlin, none of that is going to happen. Doris will be taking Lindsay's physical body back with her to heaven. God will separate her soul from her body, and Doris will once again be reunited with her daughter for all eternity, said Martha. But why don't we just call the EMTs? Maybe she's not dead yet, asked Caitlin. And what do you suggest we tell the EMT, Caitlin? That your father, who was back on earth for only 24 hours, decided to kill his wife but missed and killed an actual living person instead. But then he was whisked into a chariot, driven by four black stallions the size of tanks, who took him to hell so the punishment for crime has already been executed? Asked Martha. Okay, I see your point, but isn't there something we can do? Caitlin asked. Yes, we can help Harry, Victor, and Jack carry Lindsay's body out to the front of the house where her chariot awaits, replied Martha. No, she can't go in that black chariot with those mean horses. She just can't, said Rose. And she won't. Come with us, girls. I promise you won't be sorry, said Jack. Jack told Victor to sit this one out, and he and Harry would take care of Lindsay. Victor agreed and stood back as they lifted the woman's lifeless body he loved. I need to tell you something, Victor. Lindsay was going to tell you that she wanted to be with you again. She honestly did love you and wanted to tell you that very much, said Doris. I know she did. She told me when she found me outside. We were coming in to tell everyone that we would move in together, but we never had the chance, Victor replied. I'm so sorry, Victor. You would have made a handsome couple, and you would have made the perfect son-in-law. She will come to see you next Christmas, but is there anything you would like me to tell Lindsay? Asked Doris. Tell her that I love her, and I'm so sorry for ruining her life. I should have never asked her to come here tonight. Had I not, she would still be alive. Maybe not with me, but alive nonetheless, Victor replied. Doris didn't know what to say, so she just placed her arm over his shoulder, and they walked behind the impromptu pallbearer procession taking Lindsay to her waiting chariot. As they walked outside of the house, Victor had to shield his eyes. The light was so brilliant, it was near blinding. Karen came to him and gave him a pair of sunglasses. The chariot was pure white with white-winged horses in front of it. A man with white hair and a white beard held up a whip in the chariot. He resembled Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. Unlike when Rick was taken away, and only his daughters were present with Jack, this time all the guests from the house were out on the street to wish Lindsay and Doris safe travels. We have to go now, Victor. I will tell Lindsay what you said, but please don't blame yourself. Everyone has a time of death already written in God's book. If Lindsay had not died here this evening, she would have died in a car crash or hit by lightning like her father. When it's your time to go, it's your time. Your actions have nothing to do with Lindsay's death. You will come to believe that in time. You take care now and be true to yourself. 
You are an exceptional young man, said Doris as she made her way to the chariot. Jack and Harry placed Lindsay's body into the chariot and helped Doris up into the large carriage. They jumped down and walked back to the house. Much like the black chariot, the white chariot rose into the sky. But instead of staying low to the ground, the white chariot flew straight up and out of sight. Once gone, the sky again turned dark. I sure hope none of the neighbors saw any of this, said Harry. They all saw it, Harry, but they won't remember any of it in a few minutes. It's funny how that works, said Jack as he put his arm around Harry. Once back in the house, Martha asked Jack to help her onto a table in the family room to be seen and heard. Friends and relatives of the hills, may I have your attention? Please gather around. This evening has been very trying for all of us, especially for Karen and her family. The girl's father made a terrible decision and decided to kill his wife again. Yes, Rick intentionally crashed their car into the other car in oncoming traffic for those who did not know. That night, he took his own life and the life of his wife, but he also took the life of an innocent driver minding their own business and who had never had a drink in their life. But Martha, how did Rick get into heaven if he committed murder? I thought that was forbidden, asked Rick's mother. I am so sorry for your loss, Megan. Losing your son twice, I'm sure, is very difficult, said Martha. Honestly, he was an ass and a mean person. I don't think he will be missed all that much, Megan replied. Grandma, I'll miss him. How could you say that about Daddy, about your son? Caitlin asked. Caitlin, your father was a murderer. He was not a nice person. You will come to terms with this sometime. She replied, He was still my father. I will still miss him, Caitlin replied. Me too, said Rose. Not me. I'd kill him myself if Harry hadn't pulled me off. Thanks for saving me from a life of damnation, Harry, said Victor. You're welcome, Victor, but to be honest, I wouldn't have blamed you one bit. If that bullet had hit you or Susan instead of Lindsay, I would have killed him myself, said Harry. Now, now, gentlemen, there will be none of that, said Martha, and she continued. As to how Rick managed to enter heaven in the first place, God sees all, but he doesn't listen to your innermost thoughts. If you want God to help you, verbally asking him is the proper process. Thinking in your head is not sufficient. Speak your needs out loud. All God saw was Rick's car colliding with an oncoming vehicle. It wasn't a drastic gesture on the part of Rick. He was very subtle and sneaky about it. When Karen and Rick arrived at the gates of heaven, Karen was asked what had happened. And I replied that I did not know because I had dozed off and was asleep at impact, said Karen. Rick could be compelling, even in heaven, so he continued to blame the other driver. Unfortunately, the other driver was distracted at the time of the crash and could not recount what had happened. However, the other driver was not drunk. Rick spread that rumor, and as on earth, many in heaven believed him, said Martha. Maybe Daddy was telling the truth. He didn't crash the car and kill Mom. It was an accident, suggested Caitlin. 
Caitlin, Daddy confessed to killing Mom when he yelled at us and called us bitches. Don't you remember how he was treating us? asked Rose. No, I don't remember that. You must have misunderstood, Rose. Maybe you're too young to understand what Daddy was really trying to say, Caitlin replied. No, maybe you are too blind and stubborn to admit that the man you put on a pedestal in fact did not walk on water, Caitlin. He was a mean and evil man. He is now exactly where he belongs, stated Karen. Mom, how can you say that about Daddy? He was always good to us, and he loved all of us very much. He would never do anything to harm us, Caitlin said as she defended her father. Caitlin, have you lost your mind? Rick admitted to killing Karen in the car crash, and he tried to kill her again this evening. He killed Lindsay. Why are you defending him? asked Susan. Because he's my father. I will always love him, and I don't believe any of this bullshit. Caitlin shouted and ran out of the room and upstairs to her room. Stunned by the elevated level of Caitlin's denial, the rest of the family was bewildered. Harry and Susan noticed Rose was crying. Rosie, I mean Rose, I am so sorry that your daddy treated you the way he did this evening. That was not very nice of him said Harry. I can't believe how mean Daddy was and how he shot that gun and killed Lindsay. I loved Lindsay. Max and I will miss her so much, Rose replied. We will all miss her very much. I hope she will revisit us next Christmas with her mom, replied Harry. Harry, you can call me Rosie if you like said Rose as she leaned against him and wrapped her arms around him. Ernie came in from the backyard with Max. He and Max were unaware of what had transpired over the last thirty minutes. Hey, aren't you guys going to come back out and play with me? Ernie asked. Max walked over to the floor area where Lindsay had laid and began to sniff. He became agitated and began to whimper. Oh, Max, I'm so sorry, buddy, but Lindsay is gone until next year. You and I and everyone else will miss her very much, said Victor as he petted Max on the head. What happened to Lindsay? asked Ernie. No one replied. How do you explain what happened to a six-year-old? Finally, Martha spoke up. Ernie, come with me. I will tell you all about it she said. Okay, Aunt Martha, but I need to get going to bed soon so I don't miss Santa. Last year he gave me this great phone. I can't wait to see what he'll bring me this year, Ernie said as he and Martha exited the kitchen. Oh, Jack, I believe your services will be needed once again in the morning, Martha said as she walked past him. It will be my pleasure, Martha. Jack replied, for he loved playing Santa Claus. Karen asked Susan for directions to Caitlin's room. Susan offered to accompany Karen. As they reached Caitlin's room on the second floor, Susan knocked on the door. Caitlin, your mom and I would like to talk to you. May we come in? I guess, Caitlin responded. Susan opened the door and gestured to Karen to enter the room. 
Susan followed behind her sister and walked towards the bed where Caitlin was lying. How are you feeling? asked Karen. Stupid, embarrassed, ashamed, humiliated, betrayed, remorseful. Did I forget anything? replied Caitlin. Indignant, confused, selfish, Susan replied. Okay, okay, I get it. I've been a total bitch. I'm sorry, but I love Daddy so much. It's difficult for me to turn off my feelings for him, even though he's a murderer and an evil person, said Caitlin. It's difficult to stop loving someone when you have a version of them in your head and heart that is not true or realistic. You still think of your father as you did before he started drinking and was abusive. It's as if you never recognized the changes in him as you grew older, said Karen. I guess I didn't want to admit my dad's an asshole, replied Caitlin. It's hard to accept evil actions from someone who had protected you all your life. I understand that. It was difficult for me to divorce him even though he had treated me poorly for several years, said Karen. You were going to divorce Daddy? asked Caitlin. Yes, he was going to be served divorce papers on the Friday after Thanksgiving, but we died and that was that, replied Karen. Did Daddy know you wanted a divorce? asked Caitlin. He did, and he told me that he would kill me if I ever filed for one. I sent Aunt Susan a letter letting her know that I was filing for divorce and that Rick might kill me, Karen replied. Caitlin sat up in bed and threw her arms around Karen. Oh, Mom, I'm so sorry you had to deal with Daddy's behavior and anger issues, Caitlin confided as she hugged her mother. I tried to shield you kids from the problems your dad and I were having, but it was challenging. Victor took the brunt of it, I suppose. Rick would beat him whenever Victor came to my defense, said Karen. You mean all those times Victor said he got into a fight at school and that was how he got a black eye or split lip? It was really Daddy beating him? asked Caitlin. Yes, I'm afraid so. Victor began to act out in response to the treatment he was subject to, but it was Rick's fault Victor was acting out in the first place. Your brother is a very sweet and caring person, Karen stated. I know that all too well. He would always protect me from boys, even though at the time I thought he was trying to make my life miserable. Poor Victor. He lost Lindsay just when they had decided to give it another try. I was so uncaring I didn't even acknowledge Victor's loss and sorrow. I need to go downstairs and apologize to him, said Caitlin. Susan, Karen, and Caitlin proceeded downstairs. Caitlin searched for Victor and found him sitting next to the Christmas tree in the family room. Victor, I am so sorry about Lindsay. I feel terrible. I was so obsessed with Daddy. I ignored your loss, and I sincerely apologize for my behavior. Can you ever forgive me? Caitlin asked. You may not be my blood sister, but you are my sister just the same. I will always forgive you, just like you were always ready to forgive Dad for his behavior. I will miss Lindsay very much, but God willing, I will be in her arms once again this time next year. Victor replied as he embraced Caitlin. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for being my brother. I don't know what I would do without you, Caitlin said. 
It was 11.55 p.m., and Christmas Day was just a few minutes away. Evil had followed them to the home on Festive Lane and tore apart their celebration of life. Ernie had fallen asleep on Martha's lap, and she motioned for Harry to take his son to bed. Harry was still quite shaken from the day's events and thanked God for protecting his family from Rick's rage. Harry felt somewhat responsible for Lindsay's death because he had given Susan the gun on their first Christmas together. She had worked many late nights in downtown Chicago, and he wanted her to have the ability to protect herself. Additionally, he had also wanted the option to tell Rick to leave the house when upon becoming belligerent. But he did not because he didn't want to hurt Caitlin, Rose, and Victor. Harry was beginning to think that the house's magic on Festive Lane was a two-edged sword. Hopefully, tomorrow would be a better day.